0: listening to the sex with Dr Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Sex with Dr Jess podcast. This is Jess O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist, and I'm here to share insights and research you can use today. To improve your relationship in and out of the bedroom. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com. Shop for sex toys, lingerie, and more and save, listen, 50% off, 50% off almost any item plus free shipping on your whole order with code Jess, little uh, narcissistic code there, J-E-S-S at adamandeve.com. So that's a pretty decent savings. Happy shopping. Let me know what you find. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that we really need to spend more time on, and that topic is menopause. We need to talk about menopause because for half of the population, myself included, we are going to encounter this period of our lives, and we need to talk about what happens during, after menopause, because this makes up more than half of our adult lives. But when it comes to women's health and women's sexuality in particular, we tend to focus only on what comes before menopause. Menopause and being post-menopause are often written off as, you know, these footnotes, these things that happen at the end of our lives. When this is entirely inaccurate, nothing could be farther from the truth. We are living long, fulfilling lives. We've got age Expectancies into our 80s. I plan on living much longer than that. Look out I'm gonna be a sexologist in my 90s and we we don't just want to be living we want to Live and of course being in touch with our bodies being sexual in whatever way you define as sexual is a part of that so we need to talk about menopause today I am joined by women's health expert, Chacha Sun, founder of Demiva, a brand that really is revolutionizing the way we treat women's health and menopause. And I've learned so much just in my business meetings with Chacha, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Jess,
0: excited to be here.
1: Thank you for being here. Now let's jump right into it. Why do we need to talk about the big M? Why do we need to talk about menopause?
0: Because we do call it the M, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't like to call it menopause, and we don't like to refer to ourselves as menopausal. And by not acknowledging that we're going to have this hormone fluctuation and then this eventual decline, we're not preparing ourselves for it. And it's really at least a 10-year transition period. And the better prepared we are, the better we will get through the hormone fluctuations and... Uh, Essentially, you know, deal with the decline.
1: Okay, so when you say it's a 10 year period, we hear the language of menopause, paramenopause, postmenopause. Tell us a little bit about the new language and the research in this area because this was an area that wasn't even showing up on people's, you know, research radars up until, you know, very recently. So, what does all of this mean? So, perimenopause.
0: Really actually has several definitions and, and this is uh, how uh, current we are right now some uh, some physicians define it as the ten year period before the onset of menopause, which is defined as twelve months without a period. Some define it uh, by hormonal levels, so they might say there's an early perimenopause, which is typically forty to forty six and then there's a late perimenopause 46 to let's say 51. And this really differs because likely about uh, 5% of the population, so one in 20 women, goes into early menopause and that means menopause before age 40, so menopause completely by age 39. And so when we say menopause, when I refer to menopause, I'm referring to perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. And menopause essentially and postmenopause are the two are two uh, of the same uh, concepts, uh, you know. So usually we consider ourselves to be menopausal after our periods stop. And so um, what some people refer to menopause as is this transition from being essentially, you know, your periods are stopping, but you haven't gone 12 months without a period. And then you uh, go 12 months without a period and you become postmenopausal. But I think for the purposes of, you know, our discussion, you know, if we just consider perimenopause, the 10 years before menopause and then menopause, you know, for the rest of your life, because that's also important for women to know that menopause is for the rest of your life.
1: Uh, That's interesting because we often hear the term, you know, or the phrase, "I'm going through menopause like it's going to stop." Like, like we're, we are, you know, fertile and sexual, and then we go through menopause, and then there's this thing that stops after. When that's that's not accurate. It is, you know, the way we spend half of our adult lives, more than half of it.
0: Yes, that's right. Exactly, and we did a survey. With grandparents.com, and we're going to publish it, but I'm going to share some of the results with you here because this is fascinating. So, pretty much, um, you know, everyone 100% in the survey was aged 45 and over, being a grandparent. So, everyone in the survey was either by medical definitions perimenopausal or menopausal. And so, when we asked women, Are you perimenopausal? Are you menopausal? or are you neither? We had 52% of women say neither. And so what that means is that there is not an identification with being either perimenopausal or menopausal in most women that we surveyed in. This was 2,500 women.
1: And so is that because we don't understand what it means or because we're really reticent to admit like we, we create, I remember when I was, um, I'm going to compare this to when I was like 12 years old and I was afraid of the word puberty. Um, And I mean, I think there's a even more intense stigma attached to menopause. Do you think it's a matter of stigmatization or a lack of understanding or a combination of the two? So I, in this particular survey, I think it, it's more
0: stigma because we then go on to survey about menopausal symptoms, which are then responded to in terms of women having menopausal symptoms. So, so it's, first of all, the issue is identification. Do you consider yourself? And that, was, that was the wording we used. And then it's surveying about symptoms. And so people did respond to the survey questions about symptoms. So I think, you know, we can't say, you know, I can't say 100% whether it's a combination or one or the other, but just because of the way the survey was structured, I would lean towards the stigmatization.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me because in our culture, you know, especially in North American culture, we celebrate youth and vibrancy and we have this idea that we're more sexual and more beautiful, despite all this really interesting data from women saying they feel more confident and more sexual as they get older um so i want to ask you about some of the physical and hormonal shifts which i'm sure you you addressed in that in that research what are some of the physical and hormonal shifts that occur during during menopause and then i'd like to connect those to how they affect our sex lives absolutely so the first is hormone fluctuation
0: so we flux upwards in puberty so our hormones are going up and down, up and down every monthly cycle until we get relatively stable at around age 25. And this will vary from woman to woman, but just in general. And then we have about stability for 10 years between 25 and 35. And that's when we have the most equilibrium. So our hormones are, of course, flexing, uh, going up and down on a monthly basis, but in general, they're the most stable between in our 20s and 30s. Then after age 35, our hormones start to fluctuate up and down, but then overall they're declining, and we have especially estrogen surges, at this time because essentially our ovaries are trying to push out those eggs and so uh, it becomes a highly uh, complicated and we get a lot of fluctuations especially in our 40s so if you look at the hormone chart of a woman, whether she's ovulating or not ovulating in her 40s, it's just all over the place compared to in her 20s. And so that means our estrogen, progesterone is up and down, our testosterone is up and down, but overall we're declining until we hit menopause, at which time essentially our ovaries stop functioning, we lose fertility, In fact, we're likely losing fertility a lot earlier, um, by age 40, and uh, our ovaries, when they start to fluctuate, make it much more difficult for us to uh, become pregnant. And then after menopause, uh, which is typically age 51 in North America, our ovaries stop producing the majority of our hormones. However, for about another decade, they're still producing some hormones, especially testosterone, and that is why women don't necessarily have to suffer a decrease in libido because our ovaries are still making testosterone.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Now, with these hormonal shifts, there are also physical shifts. Um, What would be the the top one or two physical shifts you hear women report or complain about, right? Because if it's a positive change, we often don't talk about it. Sure. Well, weight gain, of course, is probably the top one. That
0: came out in our survey. And then uh, vaginal dryness is another one. And uh, mood changes. Those, those are the three top. And out of those three, the mood changes do tend to stabilize after the onset of menopause. They become very intense in our 40s during perimenopause the vaginal dryness which of course is what we focus on in terms of product development it deteriorates over time so that's why you know we focused on that because it's not something that gets better after the onset of menopause it just gets worse over time that's due to lack of estrogen and then the third one is weight gain and what happens is there are three types of estrogen and the type of estrogen that we have remaining, the other two, estriol and estradiol, are involved in our reproduction. So we lose those ones the fastest. And then we keep estrone. And estrone is the type of estrogen that packs really well into our abdom- abdominal fat, as well as that fat underneath our arms and on, the, and on our backs. And so that abdominal fat contains estrone, which is why also it's not just weight gain. And in some women, it's not even weight gain. It's weight. It's redistribution of fat and just, you know, looking different than, you know, you did when you were in your 20s. And and so essentially, uh, you know, those are the three top physical symptoms of menopause that women uh, are most concerned with.
1: All right. I've got to ask you this. Are there any positives when it comes to the physical? Obviously, uh, you know, from a sexologist perspective, I think about the fact that sex can be more enjoyable when you're not worried about, uh, you know, unplanned pregnancy, not having to be concerned with uh, the, you know, taking hormonal birth control or anything like that. But are there any other positives? Because this must be coming out of your research. Absolutely. So, you know, I
0: think that, um, you know, our research, um, you know, is really sort of focused. That particular survey that we did was really focused on just establishing a baseline. So we didn't. We asked fairly sort of general questions, and um, and I would have to say that most of the responses are you know, are more about issues and concerns because women, you know, it happens very quickly to women. But what I can say personally as someone in late perimenopause is that I think that uh, it's a wonderful time for women because we essentially have you know a lot more tools at our disposal and if we can understand our hormone fluxes and our hormone shifts better then you know we're entirely in control of them i'm a much better businesswoman at this age than at any other time in my life and i think i'm only going to get better and that has to do with the fact that not just the confidence but also just the um, the lack of, um, hormonal shifts in some way, <laughs> like, uh, you know, like, uh, I was telling someone I used to be, you know, if something happened, um, you know, business wise, it might like, devastate me for, you know, the whole day, right. I might just feel really bothered for the whole day, you know, or for a week even. And, and these days, you know, if something happens, I just move on. And so, you know, um, in Chinese culture, we call you know this second half of our lives right the second spring and so i think it's 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 really uh, amazing you know to take control of everything you've done in your life and then have a lot more tools and then uh, and then those hormonal shifts when you know when you understand what's happening you can take those things and and issues and compartmentalize them better and you can deal with them through you know natural means and so I think there are a ton of positives and you know in terms of my own career I'm you know not just uh you know working on you know Demiva my company but I found a new sort of hobby career uh working with Hollywood to portray older women in media so i've been invited recently to be an expert with hollywood health and society which is the organization that consults to tv and movie studios about medical issues and so that's been really fulfilling for me because i've just you know had you know had the gained the knowledge to share and now hopefully influence media in terms of how um, all these studios portray older women.
1: Oh, I love that. I wanna hear more about that and maybe we can have you back another time. Now, uh, you know, this isn't just about vaginal dryness and use lube because I often get questions from, uh, from Twitter followers. I got one from a 58 year old who says that since she turned 57, her sex drive is through the roof, and she says when she's on her own, it feels great, but with her husband, it can be painful. And, you know, of course she's using lube. Like we, we've come to our senses by that age. Well, I think the younger generation gets it too. Use lube, of course, but it's more than that. And in part, that's where Demiva's products come in, as well as your approach. So tell us a little bit about, about our options. Yeah, so,
0: so um, the way we produce um, you know, make new products and do our R&D, is we take a focus and approach, a woman-centric focus. So what we say is we say, what is it that a woman needs? And so things like loops, things like condoms, right, they've, they've traditionally been developed for the man. And so the way we approach it is, what does a woman need to have great sex for the rest of her life? and so that's where our products come in because our products are not uh you know necessarily just about the act of intercourse to make it less painful or more enjoyable our products are about what do we use as women so that we can keep having great sex and intimacy and you know and get those amazing surges of hormones because that you know, sex does become such an important source of hormones. You know, as we're going through hormonal decline, you know, nothing can replace that oxytocin, right? Well, you know, we can take, um, you know, we can take estrogens for with hormonal therapy and everything like that. But many women choose not to. So where are we getting our hormones? We're getting them from touching, uh, feeling sex, intercourse, you know, um, feeling good about ourselves, those are really important places. So our products are moisturizers that are designed to be pH balanced so that we're not disturbing the, uh, the bacterial flora in our vaginal tracts and our external genitalia. And so for someone in her late 50s, if she's finding that um, she's not uh, you know aroused by um, her partner or that it's painful you know there are ways to deal with that right a vaginal moisturizer will keep her vaginal tract healthy and moist and therefore lubricated um, so that when you add lubricant and typically women do need to add lubricant on top of vaginal moisturizers she'll just feel great about herself and she'll just feel, you know, very if she'll feel great vaginally, and um, and so that's really where our product focus is. And I think you know, the other aspect, of course, around, around you know, um, having great sex after menopause is you know, understanding that that hormonal decline leads to you know, a different approach to sex, right? So, we're not going to be Aroused as much, right? You know, so it's the whole flip um, of the desire and arousal switches. So when we're older, we need desire to be aroused, but when we were younger, we can't have arousal, which leads to desire.
1: Oh, interesting. So that's that responsive versus spontaneous model shifting as we get older. Um, And just a clarification, when you say vaginal moisturizer, because I don't think people are necessarily as familiar with these products. This is something just like you put a moisturizer on your face in the morning. This is a moisturizer that you insert into your vaginal canal, correct? Exactly. Exactly. Twice a week, even just once a week, you know, makes a big difference. Okay. Interesting. And people can learn more at demiva.com. Anywhere else they should be looking for you?
0: Uh, uh, Facebook. <laughs> Facebook is always a great place for people to congregate and Demeva.com in the U.S. and Demiva.ca in Canada.
1: Okay, perfect. And I know you have a Facebook Live coming up November 1st on menopausal shaming and the link with menopausal shaming and the Weinstein scandal. So uh, what time is that on November 1st? And they can find that at facebook.com uh, slash Damon Diva.
0: That's right. It's on, it's on at 11 a.m. Eastern.
1: Okay, excellent. And, uh, and you're going to be speaking or you're being interviewed?
0: So I'm going to be speaking with Jacqueline Court, who has a channel. Oh,
1: yeah, I know Jackie. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, you know Jackie? And so uh, Jackie has been shamed for talking about menopause. And while I, I have not had the sort of face-to-face shaming that she has, I've had it in a different way from a business perspective.
1: Ah, interesting. Okay, that means I'm going to be tuning in. So that's November 1st at 11am. I know Jackie, because uh, it's funny how, you know, our field becomes a small world. If you bring up somebody in Santa Barbara, chances are we've met at least online. And if you brought up somebody in Albuquerque, somehow we've crossed paths
0: absolutely. Awesome. Us women,
1: yeah, we women who are willing to talk about vaginas, we're yes. part of this little crew, right? And I also want to say, I hope you, you get trending the, that hashtag of second spring. Um, I'm also Chinese and I think what a wonderful way to approach life. And uh, for me, I just think life gets better and better and relationship and my relationship and love and the sex gets better with age. It becomes different. But thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us today, Cha Cha.
0: Oh, thanks so much, Jess, for having me. This was awesome as always.
1: Okay, awesome. And be sure to check out demiva.ca and demiva.com. I always learned so much listening and speaking with Chacha, and I hope you did too. Uh, a reminder for all of us, whether we are paramenopausal, menopausal, postmenopausal, or even really unsure, that you know, sex can and should feel good. There is no reason for sex to be painful. Unless that's what you're into. If you're into painful sex, that's a whole other topic. Um, But you you have options, not just with regard to products, but also with regard to lifestyle and sexual shifts. Sex doesn't have to look like it does in the movies. And sex means different things to different people. I'm always reminded of this very important piece of data we call the orgasm gap and I'm not talking about the gap between men's and women's orgasms, but between lesbian women and straight women, 85% of lesbian women usually or always have an orgasm during sex play versus only 65% of heterosexual women. And, you know, this 21% differential is really a reminder that, ah, What we're doing when it comes to sex might require a shift shift if you're a, a hetero. I mean, getting hung up on intercourse and feeling pressure to orgasm during intercourse, I really believe these are two of the main detractors from orgasmic pleasure for a lot of hetero women. And if you like intercourse, that's great. And if you find it pleasurable and orgasmic, that is awesome. And of course you can use products to moisturize the vagina and lube like AstroGlide to make things more slippery during the act, but it's equally awesome if intercourse isn't your favorite jam. and. We have so many other acts we can engage in from using our hands, our toys, our tongues, and more. And I I do have webinars on my website if you check them out on really specific techniques, not just the general like use enthusiasm, use lube. Yeah, those things are important, but I'm talking specific techniques you can do with your hands, you can do with your mouth, you can do with toys. You can check those out on the website. And remember that research suggests That these acts, using your hands, your toys, your mouth, your body, these acts are more likely to lead to orgasm than putting a penis in a vagina on its own. And again, if that's what you're into, that's cool too. My point is, whatever you're into, that's awesome. Embrace it and experiment a little. Sometimes it's simply a matter of opening your mind to other possibilities, knowing that others are doing the same and you are perfectly normal. That's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to adamandeve.com. Don't forget that if you're in the market for something new in the adult department, use code Jess to save 50% off almost any single item and free shipping on your whole order at adamandeve.com. Now I love hearing from you. So please follow along Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at SexWithDrJess. Have a lovely day.